0: Welcome to the Switch RPG Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gio, and I'm joined, as always, by just Johnny. What's going on, buddy? Hey! Everything's good. Everything's good. Stuck at home, everybody. All right, if this is your first time listening, this is a show from SwitchRPG.com, where we bring you the latest in the world of RPGs on the Nintendo Switch. Now, we're doing something a little different here today. We're not doing a news rundown in this episode here. This one, we have a main topic idea that we've been kind of just rolling down the street for quite a while uh it's just the the news has just been flowing in so the episodes were getting long so we kind of had to cut these things out and i always wanted to cover this so this is our opportunity to cover the main topics so awesome so here we go the main topic that one of the main topics that we wanted to cover uh game mechanics that were amazing but have only been in a single game or series. Now, we have some examples here, and uh we did put a list um, of a few games. Uh, yep. And, um yeah, let's see. No- number one. I mean, this one is pretty obvious, I think. This is like our- the go-to. It has to be, right? So Shadow, yeah. of-, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War, The Nemesis System. Yeah. Now, now when I first played this, I actually started off, no, I did start off with Shadow of Mordor and this Nemesis system like popped up. I had no idea like this was a thing. Like this was so unique and so awesome. And they actually expanded on the on this Nemesis system in Shadow of War. This has got to be one I think one of the coolest game mechanic that you that I've seen out there, to be honest. Well, I mean, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on it, right? Yeah, it, it's,
1: it was such a well-implemented, limited system in Shadow of War. I didn't play uh, Mordor. Um, Mordor's the newer one, right?
0: Uh, I get those confused, to be honest.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I played the first one.
0: Uh, okay.
1: I did not play the second one, the sequel. Uh, But what they had there was excellent. They did this dynamic uh, sort of uh, progression of a particular enemy Mm -hmm. who becomes your nemesis and will continuously taunt you as you progress through the game uh, over and over and over again. And there's a progression to how they taunt you and the the way that they taunt you and and sort of whether they defeat you they have new things to say as you continue forward or if they get defeated by you they come they are changed and they come back differently because physically, physically yeah they physically change and and how many times you you essentially kill them or think you kill them and mm-hmm. they come back that reflects in their character as well and they just get even more dis- disfigured uh, every single time that you re-encounter them if you've killed them uh, before
0: right and I mean I don't, I'm not even entirely sure how you would implement this in a in another game but like you had said I, I think yeah, I it's like the way they did it and Shadow of War is the second, second game I think they implemented it like perfect perfectly they they must have worked through it like a million times and that and i i don't even know how they would do it. like there's there's so many different outcomes and different things that the player like choices like it's so random um how people play like the, the well, way that
1: i do all the information is there for the developers to use. It's just these developers were the ones that saw that this particular set of information was available to them to actually use, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the de- you, when a player is you know, attacking someone, you as a developer, you're going to know exactly what ability they use to land the killing blow against a certain enemy.
0: Okay. And then then you... and all they
1: need to do is basically build a database. Of of associations, so uh, enemy, and it's just they don't have a name for the enemy. It's just they have a random name generator, and the first time, what well, the way I think it works is the first time some random enemy kills you in Shadow of Mordor, they give that enemy the stamp of nemesisity, uh, and they <laughs> they keep track.
0: <laughs> I like that. I like it. I'm gonna write that and down. They, actually,
1: they track the ability that that nem that that particular enemy used to kill you, as well as uh, any quirks because they they do have a quirk system in uh, in uh, on the enemies uh, within Shadow of Mordor, but also uh, the location. The developers are gonna know, right? They know your placement within the game world, so right. they can leverage all of these environmental factors. To build essentially a profile that is gonna get added to as the game progresses. They're just gonna keep on adding more and more little uh, tags to this profile, this enemy profile that gets uh, that grows as the players progress. I'm not look, I'm not certain that this is how it would work or how it does work. But well, yeah, this is giving, how I would yeah. get it to work.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And the 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 longer that your nemesis, the person um you've killed or they've killed you um the longer they stay alive the higher in rankings they get they get in their uh what would you call it their their war rankings like captain uh body yeah. guard, like that that sort of the war chief that sort of stuff
1: yeah their war chi- their warlord war chief ranking yeah.
0: right so uh again they they progress in on their end as well so they're progressing uh they take on certain traits i think you've you've mentioned that uh, certain weaknesses they become uh kind of afraid of certain things they they take on so say yep. for example you burn them to death or whatever they now are afraid of fire or yep. something something like that so they just they they took like a bunch of game mechanics like really cool ones and mished them into this system and it like like i said i think it's one of the coolest game mechanics you're going to see out there to be honest with you
1: yeah and and how they could sort of take it further in in rpgs for that matter uh is to sort of make these seemingly random nemesis right uh whatever it is that is getting the stamp of nemesisity, <laughs> give everything all npcs the ability to gain the stamp of nemesisity. But the stamp of nemesisity is not necessarily combat-based. It's going to be based on interactions, and those interactions being remembered and recalled upon. Now okay. that's difficult to do, yeah. uh, But uh, that is how you would take it one step further. Because think of it like this: a an NPC comes with some sort of profile, some sort of bio, and that profile is going to contain very could potentially contain unique things, like this NPC is in charge of this store, or is the leader of this town? Is the mayor or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And if you if you kill them, right, then the vice mayor, right, becomes the stamp of nemesisity. Or if that character somehow is able to get resurrected, they come back, right? Or maybe you thought you killed them, they didn't actually die, mm-hmm. and now they hate you. They put a warrant out for your arrest, and then you get trialed if you ever get caught. And and by caught, I mean uh, you get attacked and you lose in combat, you get knocked out, right? And instead of a game over screen, uh, you instead appear in court, right? They've done this in, um, I think, uh,
0: Oblivion, or is it Oblivion? Not, not
1: with, not with combat though. Okay. I think with like if you were stealing and and they yeah uh, well you actually get,
0: if you get caught stealing think, you go to like jail. Yeah, you go to jail.
1: But I think if you get caught stealing and they the guards chase you and kill you, you just get knocked out and you wake up in jail. Yeah, I think that happens too.
0: I think that that happens in Skyrim as well. I think
1: it's, it's been a while since I played uh, Oblivion in Skyrim.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just I hate that's one of the one of the RPG tropes that I really dislike is you know, getting caught by whatever, police or guards or whatever, and then getting putting put in prison and you gotta break out of your cell. You just see that in so many RPGs and it's just oh it's one of those things yeah. that just kinda irk me. But um Yeah, the 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 nemesis system,
1: right? It's what it actually is is a bondage.
0: Between you whoa, whoa, and some, whoa. this is this is a G rated <laughs> podcast here. So, I mean, I'll I'm let using you con-
1: it in the right way. You're thinking of it in the I'm wrong
0: gonna, way. I'm gonna let you continue. I might have to edit this out. Go ahead. Really? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, it it's a bondage between the player, the player's character, and whatever whatever gets that stamp of nemesisity, right? So. There, there now forms that stamp forms a bond, a link between the two. Mm-hmm. and that link is going to be extrapolated on uh, and iterated on uh, storyline wise with with some degree of meaning, right and and the developers are controlling what that meaning is going to be, what the actual ramifications of that of that bond between the two of you is going to be. but the Nemesis system does it in a, you know, antagonist, protagonisty right type mm-hmm. of way, whereas why not do it in a, uh, instead of rivalry, why not do it in camaraderie kind of way? Okay. Right? Yeah. Why not have any NPC be a party member? Wow. Instead of having bona fide party members.
0: I think there is a... I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm, I think there is a game that allows... Octopath Traveler. ...for that. Is it Octopath Traveler? <laughs> no! That's the one I can think of. That allows any...
1: Yeah, you a- can randomly recruit uh, uh, NPCs, like random, nonsensical NPCs to, to assist fight. you in combat. Assist They're not them. an official party member, but... I gotcha, but okay. ...you can do that. It doesn't right. take it to the degree
0: that you want I would to. love it to. Right. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, yeah. I guess you could you could do it that way. You know, where you, anybody is recruitable and 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 whatnot. But I, I guess you'd have to play Octopath long enough to to know that. <laughs> yeah. I I did not. Um. But yeah. So the Nemesis system, probably one of the most unique things. And I, why hasn't this game been brought to the switch you know i think people need to be playing this game on the switch. uh yeah yeah i mean they
1: they could bring the shadow of war game to the switch i the sh- mean shadow of mordor
0: was the first one they could they could right. easily bring that one shadow of war i think it was early enough on in xbox's life cycle where yeah. i feel like it could it could work it could it could work
1: yeah that, that's what i'm saying i think i i know for certain that shadow of mordor will work because that yeah. was a it was both pre-gen or prior-gen, last-gen, and mm-hmm. current-gen. But Shadow of War is current-gen, but it's running on probably the same engine. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't see it would be downgraded graphically if it came to Switch, but I don't see it being an issue if it came to Switch. I mean, it ran on the original Xbox One, which is not a powerful system mm-hmm. by current standards, right?
0: No, right. So, so it, I, I think it could work. All right. right, Moving on to our next game mechanic, and this is another obvious one, and it was the first one that I had thought of when we kind of brought this topic up. Um, Darkest Dungeon and the quirks, quirk system.
1: Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot from Darkest Dungeon that could be done with again, Mm -hmm. but this, but the quirk system is probably one of the bigger ones.
0: Yeah, and and I didn't know that this. I'm looking at the list of quirks. Yep. I didn't know that this, there were this many. There are so many positive quirks and negative quirks. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Darkest Dungeon, I really high and highly recommend picking that game up. It, is, it, is, it can be rather difficult. Uh, do not fall in love with any of your party members uh, because they could possibly not make it. Now, what's interesting about the quirk system is that it's gained as you run through a particular dungeon. And is it, gain- can you gain a quirk in the middle of a dungeon run or is it yep. at the end? Okay. So you, uh, I thought I thought it was at the end of a it, dungeon it's run. It's definitely on
1: the end. I'm just trying to remember if you gain a quirk midway through. I think you can. Um, okay. Let's see here. Uh, type name.
0: Well. Effect. With, uh, with quirks, whether or not you gain them during the dungeon run or at the end of a dungeon run, what happens is you're, you're hit with a quirk, right? And, for example, here, here's, here's one here um, called Anemic. It's a negative quirk. And you have negative 10 bleed resist. Um, so your character will now have negative 10 bleed resist throughout its entirety of its life. You can get rid of negative quirks, right? Ah, uh, yeah. So you can you...
1: gain them during. Okay. That... I'm reading the thing. Yeah, there's depending on what you're doing when you're exploring the dungeon, you can definitely gain additional quirks without even completing the dungeon in and of itself.
0: Okay. Nope. Okay. Um. So, and and some of these quirks uh, do. Say for example, you bring a uh, that same character with negative quirks, and this is what I love about Darkest Dungeon. Say you bring a character on with some negative quirks, there are some actions that will happen that you can't control at all because of the negative quirks, and that I think is one of the best parts of of Darkest Dungeon. Is kind of like this: this. All right, do I take this character who potentially you know, will fail on every single trap that it, we encounter, or you know, or do I have a choice of recruiting another character? like there's so many different things that you can do in in this. Um now you've played Darkest Dungeon, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, so I, I you you may have played more than I have. Um I I have not beaten Darkest Dungeon. I have not So You're uh,
1: breaking up a little bit here and there.
0: I'm sorry. You can quite hear you. Can you hear? I said I've not completed Darkest Dungeon. Okay. Yep, I can hear you now. Have you completed it?
1: I have not completed it. It is. uh, I have beaten the Darkest Dungeon, but I have not actually uh, completed the game because you have to beat the Darkest Dungeon multiple times, and it is a grind fest. Yeah. In order to do that, right, you have to you have to go through uh, over and over again, and and solve and sort of satisfy a bu- uh, a couple of different quest-oriented conditions. And I'm on that track, um, but I haven't completed it yet. Once okay. you complete it, I'm assuming that's the end of the game. But I have beaten the darkest dungeon, which is the last dungeon in the
0: game. Okay, I mean. We'll say, for the sake of argument, that you've you've beaten it. Um, would you say that the quirk system, like how how what's your opinion of the quirk system?
1: It's really good, but there are there's a lot of so you get there's also the positive quirks, yes, and there's the negative quirks, uh, and there's reasons to sort of manipulate those and they give you they give that to you when you're back at your home base different places and locations to sort of uh, remove add and remove the quirks. but the problem with the quirk system is that the the prices that they set to remove to add and remove to manipulate the quirks, uh gaining them is it's really easy to gain them uh, but to manipulate it, to allow the player to sort of min-max their quirks. It's so expensive, and that expense is not cost-efficient based on other things that you could do to spend your money on
0: in the game. So what that then has you do is abandoning or getting rid of that character. No, no, no.
1: Not all, Because none of these quirks are so strong that you're going to want to drop the character. Okay. It's just that some of these quirks are – and some of, them, some of the quirks are just not strong enough okay. to, to negatively or positively impact you one way or the other. And what it ends up com- coming down to is you, you just gain a bunch of quirks and you try to assess like, am I okay with having this particular quirk on my character? if i am then cool if not mate should i pay this crazy amount of gold in order to remove that cork and roll the dice again to get another uh positive or negative quirk that may ruin things and what it ends up being is the good quarks to get to to roll the dice on on uh, the the good negative quarks to get are the ones that prevent you from doing stuff in town with that character. Like yeah. the ones that say like, oh, this character won't drink at the tavern anymore because they're, they're abstaining, something like that. Or, or they will only, uh, they can't gamble anymore, or they will only gamble. Uh, stuff like that. Um, those, are, those end up being the best quirks to get because they have nothing to do with mm-hmm. what happens in combat.
0: And they take up a negative quirk. Uh, slot, I think, and it takes only...
1: up a negative quark slot, yep. And they do lock in uh, I think up to two quarks. Mm-hmm. yep uh, the the top two can get locked or or one or two or maybe up to three. i'm I'm not sure how many can actually get locked in, but uh, some of them can get locked in. And if you get those types of quarks locked in, that is the best. Like you end up getting a really good character, but it's kind of random. It's kind of like, Pokemon where you're getting that shiny or you're getting like the or like Pokemon Go where, where you're getting the best uh those invisible stats I forgot what they're called but getting the best of those invisible stats the IVs rolled. the IVs exactly uh so that's part of the min maxing but because it's randomized I don't really like it uh and you I think you can even though it's locked in the locked in is not truly locked in I think it's uh you can still change it. It's just cost a ridiculous amount
0: more gold to, to get rid of. remove. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually get I was getting the um, because it actually gets further broken down. I was getting them a little confused, right? So you have your your positive and negative quirks, but then you have some forced interaction quirks or forced interaction negative quirks. Well, every single
1: quirk can trigger something, uh, maybe uh-huh. not every single one, but a lot of quarks will do something in either in combat or as you're exploring a dungeon in and of itself where your character can do something like they will lose a turn right. because of their cork, Like really, really bad stuff like that.
0: Right. Or, or, or they if they see a trap without you even trying to uh you know all right, let me get the best person at the job to to disarm this trap. This person will just automatically just go and do something with it and, and i'm looking I'm looking at a bunch of them here um let me see here, obsessed with killing yeah, all good right. one
1: is klepto
0: all right, kleptomaniaic prone to stealing, yeah, so they will automatically go for the treasure without checking for traps. Yep. And there's a thirty five percent chance that that will i don't know if that's a thirty five percent chance that'll you'll get it or yeah, there's I'm there's not, a I'm bunch sure like
1: necromania Paranoia... Oh.
0: there are there are so many
1: yeah
0: you know, plutomania all those
1: all those manias yeah. uh, egomania uh <laughs> curious uh yeah
0: yeah so man there there's just so much involved so many like if you're in if you're a stat nerd or if you're into the numbers in games like this is this has to be your kind of game if you're into the, like the nitty-gritty the kind of like like i said the the numbers part of RPGs you got to be playing Darkest Dungeon. Well it's this a... is
1: yeah th- this is like the trait system of Pathfinder or or traits of mm-hmm. characters uh within RPGs this is what makes them <laughs> uh, oddly, you know, oddly enough, quirky, right? And it gives, <laughs> makes that particular character their own unique thing, right? They, right, named right. It, they labeled it correctly, right? It is the, the particular quirks that make up that particular character. And uh, a lot of these quirks, like the ones where they will, uh, they're prone to stealing stuff, right? A lot of these quirks, those are actually the good quirks to get. You want those types of quirks on your character because it means that they will not uh, mess up in combat, uh, those types of quirks. Right, Those aren't it's kind of like, out,
0: right, it's out of combat, right, right, right. Yeah.
1: The worst ones are probably the stress quirks, because stress is probably Yeah, the... trying to manage
0: that can be a yeah. problem.
1: It Well, it, it is definitely the, the biggest... It is the biggest uh, cause for things going bad is mm-hmm. mis- being unable to manage the stress of your party. And that is the biggest reason why your party will, ru- will wipe is because someone became stressed out and they developed uh, some sort of, uh, I think it's called a madness.
2: Uh, I That sounds right. Um, I'm not sure if it's madness, though.
0: Are um, you yeah. are, are you researching?
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out because there's virtues and then there's the opposite. So, and virtue is harder to proc. I just can't remember what the uh, what the opposite
2: to that is. Let's see here.
0: I don't know. I'm I'm still looking at um our show notes here. And uh, Stamp of nemesisity is still here. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um,
2: let's see.
1: Oh, Resolve is when you overcome stress uh, in a positive way. And let's see here. Oh, wait, no, wait. Become virtuous, yeah. Okay. Stress. Stress. I'm trying to... F- It's
2: not listing the word. Uh, (laughs) Afflicted.
1: You become afflicted. No.
2: We'll wait. We'll wait.
1: There are so many words here. I'm trying to find the right one, and they are just not listing it. This is an affliction. Okay. It is an affliction. Okay. Yes. Okay. It is called (laughs) affliction. And there's a bunch of different afflictions. And these are kind of like quarks, except they are temporary for that dungeon.
0: Okay. And but this, from, so they, they go away, then?
1: They will go away. So throughout the entirety of that dungeon, once you build up that stress high enough, you become you gain an affliction. Mm-hmm. And those afflictions are way worse than the quarks. Right. Uh, they They just cause all sorts of, once again... And this happens with your characters, except these are more combat-based, and they these will cause your characters to lose their turn on in the middle of combat because they decide to. Uh, even worse than that, even worse than losing their turn, they take their turn to attack your own allies.
0: They can, yeah, yeah. There are some, there are some pretty, pretty bad ones. Sure.
1: But, but for, um, for this command, uh. uh mechanic, the, the this quirk system. They could definitely take this and bring this over, and they should, to a lot of other games, a lot of other RPGs. Mm-hmm. I hope they balance it in a different way. Um, I mean, a lot of RPGs do have like traits, but they don't... Darkest Dungeon made it more impactful and significant and something they had to pay attention to because the difficulty of the game was was set on such a harder uh, slant that right. you're kind of forced to pay attention to these quirks. Mm-hmm. And it's more important to pay attention to the quirks when you're building the party that you're going to take out to a mission. Right, And it's just a matter of you knowing the area that you're taking them to, the enemy types you're going to encounter within that particular dungeon, and then building the appropriate party that doesn't have enough negative quirks that is going to make them do be- poorly within that dungeon. Right. So you're trying to maximize their potential for success within a dungeon.
0: Right. It's all about efficiency.
1: Min maxing, yeah. Min maxing. Yeah.
0: Like I had said before, this is, this is uh, one of the. It's got to be one of the Stat Geek's best <laughs> favorite RPGs. There's just so, so much going on with it. All right, another game mechanic, and and, and I'm sorry, going back to *Darkest is Yes, that can be implemented in so many RPGs, but you're right; it has to be balanced in such a delicate way where it it won't it won't change the difficulty, not not necessarily change the difficulty of the game, but it won't it won't really in a lot. And I'm talking a lot of your longer RPGs. I I always have those in mind. So. If you have a lot of these negative quirks or traits sort of stuff, if it's really, really negative, that could be really impactful on a long run RPG where it would just be really hard to, you know, manage. If that yeah. if that makes any sense. Alright. So next we have another cool game mechanic, the Sanity Meter in Eternal Darkness. Now, Eternal Darkness is not it's not an RPG, but I think it's I think it's got a lot of cool things. Again, depending on how you play that game will depend on how this sanity meter will affect you. And what, what I really like about the sanity meter, I mean, when when I did play the game, you can really control your sanity meter where, to the point where you don't even have to worry about it. But the best things happen to you when is when your sanity meter... Is at a point where things start happening to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think that's and and I wish they had balanced it in a way where it, it was really hard to to manage your sanity meter because I think those things are so cool. Uh, for example, um, you just walk into a room in a certain situation. You have a certain uh, you say you're carrying a gun and you enter the room this way or whatever. Something happens. Uh, You just start shooting, or you just start, you know, something again. Something happens. There were quirks that, you know, kind of dates itself a little bit. Where, but it would start changing the volume on your TV. Uh, There were things where it would change video inputs, and you know, you'd see that stuff on the TV, and it just it it does kind of date it a little bit. But books would, uh, if you're walking through the library,
1: books would fly from one end of the room to the other. Uh, You'd hear like doors slamming shut as you're walking around the the mansion, like uh, people knocking on on the front door or ringing the doorbell. And if you go to answer it, like you'll get they'll either be no one there or or there'll be like some weird like ghost scream, like scream jump scare thing.
0: Right. But you and, and you only get those things once your sanity meter is at its I think it's lowest or it's highest. I'm not. I forget how it worked. (laughs) Well, it builds up. Build up, okay.
1: The effects uh, get more ramped up the lower your sanity gets.
0: Okay.
1: And they they happen more often the lower your sanity bar. Think of like the sanity bar as, or the sanity meter as like a life bar. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's basically the same thing, but it's based on your sanity.
0: Right. You just
1: don't die if it goes all the way to zero.
0: Right but man just experiencing those things is is kind of like like you don't you don't get to see all these things if you just play if you don't want like if you just continue to keep your sanity up you don't get you don't get to hear or see any of those things and those things are awesome especially in this kind of game it's like that's the stuff that you really want to have happen and they just and i just think they just I don't know if they overlooked it or they just made it way too easy to to manage that sanity meter.
1: yeah, I, I just don't think they had enough time to i I think they were focused more on just finishing the game. okay, and they got it finished, and like the sanity effects and all that. it just was wasn't it wasn't sort of important enough. For them to, to revolve the game design around, and they just wanted to treat it as it was, right, as like an effects-based thing, uh, and they didn't take it to the degree that they potentially could have, right. And, and by doing that, right, uh, they need to finish the game sooner. So because they need to finish the game sooner, they didn't polish the sanity. What they did have there for the sanity system, they didn't polish it. Uh, so it's. When you play through the game, you end up as soon as you get those healing rune, the rune spell for healing.
0: Yeah, there's a spell that you could just take and care regen. Of. There was another
1: mm-hmm. one for re, uh, regenerating uh, certain certain meters. And once you get the regen one, especially when you get the the purple one, the purple rune mm-hmm. that does everything. That's just
0: yeah, game's kinda, easy mode. it is. It really is easy mode. And in <laughs> in a survival horror, you really want those. Like environmental things going on, like you want you want to be able to hear, like oh, there's something in that next room. I don't know if I want it. Like you want to create that that suspense. That's the whole yeah. that's the whole idea of it. And they kind of they they missed the mark. They almost had, they had they had the gun and ammunition. They just kind of missed the mark with the execution. You know.
1: Yeah, and you can imagine like like you could just as a very quick example, you could leverage the sanity system as a puzzle-solving mechanic, where you need to purposely go insane in order to have something like a wall melt away so that you can walk past it. Walk
0: through it, right, yeah.
1: Yeah. Something weird like that, where going insane unlocks things, and and you end up using it in a way, or for example, certain enemies that are like these uh, real-life, big, giant, physical brutes, but then you go insane and you see that they're actually being controlled by these little tiny imp things that you can just very easily kick
0: flick right? away or whatever yeah. yeah yeah and and you could definitely just that simple you could create an RPG that that way you know oh yeah um so yeah very very cool uh, i i loved and i was this came around, out around the time I was really into, like, survival horror, so this, this, was, this was my jam. Definitely my jam. Um, Alright. Well, I'll let you describe the next one, because I never played it. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, I... Funny enough, I actually beat Bloodborne, uh, I think, like, last week.
0: <laughs> I beat oh, it again. <laughs> okay. Again?
1: Again. Yeah, uh, it was my... I'm uh- so jealous. It was my girlfriend's playthrough and she was pretty much at the very end. Okay. Uh, but she just didn't wanna she didn't wanna complete it, so I was like, you know I'll I'll complete it. You just I, gotta watch I, like, so that got you can you. <laughs> so that you can, you know, see the ending for yourself and all that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I, I went through and beat it. But what Bloodborne has that like makes it very unique, on top of the many things, is this insight system. Okay, And it's not so much a mechanic that you are It's not a gameplay mechanic that is gonna that you're gonna interact with in a way of like combat. Uh, I don't think it affects combat. Uh, you can't it can be affected by combat against certain enemies. There's like certain enemies that can actually remove insight from you, okay, but but insight in in itself is. There's a couple of different uses for it, but one of the main reasons why insight is a thing is that it unlocks story. Uh, and the way stories handled in the 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 Soulsy Borney style games is Soulsy Borney. Yeah, you got to explore the story. The story's there, but you got to find it. And <laughs> Soulsy Borney
0: <laughs> I'm trying to spell that.
1: And in Bloodborne, the, the story is there, but you got to find it. And if you have insight, you can find it sooner. So if you can find ways to increase your insight uh, sooner, mm-hmm. then you will end up discovering things that you normally shouldn't earlier on in the game and earlier on in the storyline. And you could imagine how wild that would be in an RPG where, yes, there is the story. You will encounter everything within the story, but you could encounter things earlier in the storyline if you built up enough of something, whatever they want to call it. But let's let's just say insight. And the more insight you have, the more story you're going to get earlier on. Think mm-hmm. of it like a Fire Emblem as a, as a great example, Fire Emblem Three Houses, where you don't know, you have to play through the game again in order to understand the other parts of the storyline that you right. didn't get the first time through, but in if, if it had this insight system from Bloodborne, you could, in theory, build up enough of the insight to where know what's you going can on over start there. Yeah, you can start seeing what's happening across the other sort of houses and start to gain insight into what's going on there. In addition to your main sort of story branch.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's that's definitely a unique thing. I mean, with uh, Souls like or um, Dark Souls in general, the story is there as you want to take it, pretty much. You're you're needing to read through a lot of the lore. It's very lore dense, so you're taking in as much of the story as you're willing to to get, essentially. Yeah. But this is a little bit different in the way that your um your insight gets you. It just like is it just earlier in the storyline? Is that how it's is that how so, it's working?
1: So it still has so uh, bloodborne still has the like hey you gotta. Read the description of these items and talk to these NPCs in order to get cryptic messages about the story in the world that still exists. But okay. with insight, the world will actually start to reveal parts oh. of itself to you. You'll start to uh, and and given that the world is based on uh, similar things that Eternal Darkness is based on, uh, you'll you'll start to hear things as you gain more insight you'll start to see things in the world and hear things in the world as you gain more insight kind of like a sanity system but it's not it's not as uh it's it's very different from the sanity system but it's it's kind of leading towards your your character as you play the more insight also reflects the more insane your characters although you're not <laughs> insane you're just gaining more insight into something that doesn't want to be seen mm-hmm. kind of and because you see it 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 can make certain people go blind
0: right yeah awesome i i so want to play that game <laughs> it it's brilliance it really Brilliant. is it really sounds like it um it's the castlevania game that i've always wanted um next we have now this again this is not an RPG and we were kind of talking about this game a little bit beforehand and it turns out it wasn't as unique as we thought it or I thought it was. Um the game is called Super Hot. Uh Super Hot, if you're not familiar with the game, it's it's a very artsy uh styled game where it's a first person first person shooter, or I guess. And what's unique about it is as you move the enemies move so when you're stopped the enemies are stopped so you're trying to progress through i'll call it um like it, it almost looks like an office space like every every environment there looks like an office space so <laughs> you you're <laughs> trying to get get through this and every time you're moving um again it's a first person shooter so you're shooting at the enemies you, you, it just it's and it's very it can be very as chaotic as you want it to be as well so uh it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic now again you and i were talking about this before i hit record um how this can be or is implemented in some roguelike games and one of the games that you mentioned and it's very popular in the switch rpg community is tangled deep tangled yep. deep that's just one example now you had mentioned that this is this kind of mechanic is implemented in a lot of roguelikes so in tangle deep it's a it's a grid based grid based system of kind of like your top down person not top down perspective but kind of uh what would you call it kind of jrpg
1: isometric
0: yeah it's not really yeah so uh basically you you're walking around the grid and every time you move if an enemy is on that screen, they take an action. So every action you take, whether it's a move action or an attack action, the enemy will also do the same. So if you're just standing there, the enemy's just standing. So this kind of game mechanic is already done, but obviously what Superhot has done, they've taken it and they've put it into a first-person uh, perspective. In, in, in a game in or a game style, you don't typically see that. So. Yep, I thought I was really unique there, but it's already been implemented, so whatever. Anyway, let's move on. So, I mean, I I can't even... I I thought I was special. I'm not special.
1: Well, the fact that it's in a first-person shoot, it's special there, and it could be brought back into an RPG in a way that makes it special again.
0: Well, and, right. and, you, and you say special, and, and the immediate thing, thing I think of is in Fallout when you have the VAT system. So they take a first-person wannabe shooter, first-person RPG, and you use the VAT system um, where in Fallout 3, the enemy just stops. In Fallout 4, the enemy continues to move ever so slightly. Yeah. So they kind of kind of do that a little bit in in, in the Fallout games.
1: Yeah, it's uh, if they were ever to because this one, the flow of time is very dynamic where it can go fast, it can go slow, uh, it can, and you sort of have control over that based on uh, your the movement of your own character, mm-hmm. uh, and that is a much more fluid and inaugural thing to control, so to put to sort of. Put that into a gameplay mechanic. You kind of have to implement it in a similar way, and uh, because you know it, it's primarily done in VR, right? In VR, your right. body is an analog to to the world itself. So it it's not it's not something that is uh, you know completely still uh, in in certain ways. Uh, you're always moving, and you can sort of change the momentum of your movement uh you have maybe the uh the analog stick that can give you some degree of of uh dynamic motion uh, acceleration if you will um momentum how about that that might yeah, be the, the correct word i'm looking
0: for that's the word
1: but that momentum is not in a It could be controlled as far as, like, you know, first gear, second gear kind of thing until, you know, 80th gear. Uh, But it's also not a sort of fluid ramp up, ramp down. Uh, And also, how do you control that? It's sort of like having control over time. That's basically what it is.
0: That's what it is, yeah.
1: And time, you're not controlling time going faster. What you're actually doing is how slow and how how Fast time is going to progress in between not not progressing at all, like complete standstill and time going, uh, you know, speed and being able to dynamically change that on the fly. If that was sort of given to you as like uh, the LNR triggers, right? The usually the LNR triggers on consoles and, and, and controllers and whatnot are analog in some way, right? The GameCube had analog, uh, Shoulder shoulder buttons. Right. So you could, based on uh, that, kind of like a gas pedal in some racing game, some simulation racing game, right? It becomes sort of a throttle for how slow or fast you want that game to run uh, during combat, during whatever. Now, it seems like the only good application for something like this is in combat or something action-oriented, something right. where time you wanna slow down time, speed up time, because it makes sense. Um, there's there's probably some other ways, but it's really those ways that I can think of is probably for like stopping someone from triggering a bomb to go off, right? You just slap their hand or whatever, something like that. <laughs> That's the only time that I can kind of think of when you want time to slow down and speed up. Well, but or, if you- or
0: if something in a crafting situation, if something takes days, uh, to make or whatever you can yeah. speed time up or whatever but that's that's been done that yeah that has been done
1: yeah. and and it's and it's done in a way where it's streamlined to mm-hmm. get out of the player's way from doing stuff so you kind of have to develop an entire interesting system in order to want to entice the player to play around with the throttling of time and probably the best way to do that is in combat like super hot does it uh, not not the way super hot does it but as super hot has figured that if you do it while in combat it's very interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you gotta you gotta make it clear to the player to understand why throttling of time during combat is gonna be interesting, right? The way they do it, bullet dodging, being able to catch certain things, throw certain things being able to sort of do basically kung fu matrix style gymnastics, uh, even though you are not a kung fu gymnastic, you know,
0: professional. I know kung fu. Yeah, that's my that's my best Keanu Reeves impression. Sorry, that's all I got. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got you got to add the whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. Okay. <laughs> moving on to um another game. Uh, it's a game also. I haven't played, but maybe you potentially gave me the opportunity to play it. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Paper Mario 2. This is a... The Thousand Year Door. Thousand Year Door. This is a very well-known game. And uh, what game mechanic are you bringing to the table here?
1: The whole stage system that they have in there. It's, okay. I haven't seen it done in any other game anywhere. And the way that they implemented it, maybe because it's a. They implemented it so well that no one else can kind of implement the same thing because they just. It will be inferior to how they implemented it, but it is absolutely brilliant. So it is also a combat mechanic. And as you're engaging in combat with some enemy, you're doing that on a stage. And the stage is being viewed by audience members so they're watching you enact a combat play between (laughs) some enemy that you walked walked into in the dungeon world whatever and you go into the combat uh arena but in this combat arena there's people watching you do stuff and you're taking turns right normal traditional turn-based uh mario rpg style combat mechanics uh you have you, it's Mario and one other party member than then, uh, then the enemy or enemies, and you're trading blows. But there's also an audience, and you have to. There are things that you can do that can make the audience uh, applaud you or boo you. And there's this, uh, there's this. Um, I think it, I think it's an applause meter, or it's just a, an audience meter or whatever it is, and you build that up. So you want to build up the audience's excitement because the more excitement they have, the more you gain, I think it's star power. I forgot what they called it, but you gain a meter that is tied to-
0: SP. SP, that's star power. Okay.
1: And uh, the more you gain of that, the more you can leverage these powerful uh, sort of special attacks. That you can do and the more audience so oh uh, here's how it is it's the more you make it exciting to the audience the more audience members you're going to attract and the more audience members that are watching this fight go out on stage the faster that that star power meter can fill up so you want to build up and they, they labeled it correctly as as star power right you want to have mario with us Star power, kind of like a a, a film or an actor, right? Star
2: power.
1: So you and you're leveraging the star power to use special attacks that you can do throughout it. But the audience, as if that wasn't a cool enough mechanic itself, the audience can actually interact with the combat. Where they (laughs) could actually have if if they are filled with good audience members like toads. They will actually throw helpful items to Mario or your party member to help them. Like they'll throw a heel at Mario. Uh, Or they could be filled with enemies. And the enemies will throw like a turtle shell that will mess up Mario uh, if if you're not paying attention. And you have to look at the audience and who's in the audience and see if they're carrying something that's going to sort of throw a literal monkey wrench. Maybe not a monkey wrench, but like a turtle shell uh, to mess up your combat with the actual enemies that you're dealing with on stage. And then in addition to that, the stage itself has uh, props in staging elements. And as you do damage and do certain attacks, you can cause parts of the stage to fall apart. Not only enemies can do that to make parts of the stage fall on Mario, but you can have parts of the stage fall on them as well. So the stage becomes interactable and something that you got to be wary of in the middle of combat in addition to the audience and building up that audience meter and and there's there's a if you're paying attention and there's like an audience member that's about to like throw a harmful item at you you can actually hit a button that causes Mario to run off of stage into the audience and whack the <laughs> audience member with a hammer
0: this is all new to me, and and this game has been out for forever, right? And this like, is all yeah new to me. This is th- another example. Is okay, Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, definitive edition is coming out. Many people have played that. Yep. I'm going to be experiencing it for the first time, and I need to experiencing. I need to experience Paper Mario: 2, A Thousand Year Door. Yeah. I, I I need to play Absolutely. that game. It, it's you, just. The way you describe it, it's definitely something I would absolutely love. I've played Color Splash, but this sounds like it's a it's a lot better.
1: It is it's one of the best RPGs of all time, and it's by far the best Mario RPG. Mm-hmm. Better than than the original Super Mario RPG. It's yeah. better, and that's that's an amazing, amazing game made by Square Enix. Right, beloved, yeah. it started the franchise, but. I'm sorry. Thousand Year Door did all that and better, and right. then some. the The storyline is just way better. in In not in a serious way, though. It's just better writing. Better. It's more comical. It is absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take <laughs> itself uh, too seriously, you know. Man, not
1: all and and not not does it uh, take itself seriously. It. Has so many inside jokes that only uh, that that only like bonafide Nintendo fans, like people that have played Nintendo games for a while, they only they would get, they mm-hmm. would understand these these sort of like seemingly like Nintendo inside inside jokes that only Nintendo fans would get. They have them speckled all throughout the game itself. It is brilliant.
0: I just I just really hope with this thirty fifth anniversary of Mario that this is one of the titles that they just shadow drop. Just alright, it's it's available, you know. Yeah. Here or or a true sequel to it. Or a true sequel. Um but that's a rumor, right? That was one of the rumors. But here's the thing though. They could potentially get rid of this audience um mechanic, or they could potentially you know, color splash style, you know, they could potentially just ruin it. You know, yep. uh, I do want to be able to play this. So
1: yeah, yeah. it's uh, this, that stage thing. I, I don't know if you saw a screenshot or a video of it, but look on like the combat on the bottom left. That's, that's, there's a number there. That number represents how many people are in the audience. Okay. Um and, in case you're wondering, uh, so, like, it's literally the stage and the audience is a major mechanic of combat. It only comes into play in in combat, and mm-hmm. it's there, and it just enhances a traditional turn by turn, you know, you go, the enemy goes, your partner goes, etc. style gameplay system. It just enhances it that much further and makes the the experience just really fun and interactive. And I'm just surprised that they haven't done this in any future Mario, Paper Mario game, or Mario and Luigi game, or any other game that, I mean, there's so many games that have riffed on Nintendo, very popular, very well-executed Nintendo properties. And I'm just surprised that this, this particular game hasn't been riffed on, or at least this, this mechanic itself right. hasn't been riffed on, because it's absolutely
0: brilliant. It really is. It's just kind of got that uh, surprise kind of element to it as well. So, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta get on it. I gotta get on. It. Put it, put it on my list. Put it on yeah. my list.
1: Yeah, you, you need to. You need to mess this. <laughs> Paper Mario Two is just it's gold, gold. Yeah.
0: and it's short too. I'll get there. I I will get there.
1: Well, it's not short, but it's shorter than what you would expect for a sure. big RPG.
0: Sure. Sure. All right, well, at some point I will now um next on and and this is kind of the the last one here now, <laughs> the way we originally had it listed in in our show notes was um was it systemic slash dynamic story progression yep, that's all we had, and we actually made sense of that. <laughs> we must have had like a thought in there and just kind of forgot about it but you know we 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 put it all together so systemic as a system that is interactable by the player and a dynamic story progression now you are actually playing through a game that um, this kind of fits in this really really well uh, Radiant, yeah, it's, yeah, go, go ahead and, and, and explain it
1: yeah Radiant Historia mm-hmm. it, it's pretty much the only game that I have seen this type of control over the story progression uh, that in in a very traditional, very linear, but also not linear storyline and story progression in a a traditional RPG. uh, And they sort of give you free reign and incentivize being able to go back and forth in time in the storyline mm-hmm. so you can actually progress through and there there's multiple storylines too so uh, and by multiple storylines what i actually mean is not not multiple storylines like multiple threads uh there's multiple there's an alternate history <laughs> that happens with the storyline so there's the storyline happens pretty much on like two major arcs two major paths that happen in parallel with one another and at the same time as one another but based on something that happened early on in the storyline, uh, it caused a deviation, a branching of of time, leading into alternate universes, if you will, or, or alternate histories, mm-hmm. as I said. And at any point, you can jump between these two segments on the parallel, uh, on sort of uh, while being persistent with time as it progresses forward. But you can also go. Back in time, at many many different locations, at pretty much all the major story beats that are in this game, or all the major all the points in the game where a store uh, a decision was to be had, mm-hmm. you can go back to back to the future too. Right? Back to <laughs> the future. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. how yep. <laughs> it, it's it's exactly that. You can go back, and depending on how you progressed in the story which is weird to say because it's your progression through the story is tied to your progression through getting new unlocks. and by getting new unlocks and these unlocks are weird because they could be like abilities they could be uh like items that that or information too where a character tells you that, oh, the password is butter, and now you know the password, and you can go to the alternate history or go back in time and be able to actually use the butter password in order to get through something.
0: Now, is that actually a thing? Is it butter?
1: Uh, no. I I don't know why butter (laughs) came to my mind, but... So, but sorry, butter I just, was was just there.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I just needed to know. Just needed yeah. to know. All right. Cool. Butter.
1: Yeah. But yeah. And, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and and you're going back in time to also progress earlier parts of the storyline in different ways, and then that could lead to something, and can loop back into the same main timeline, but with an alternate with an alternate. Uh, outcome in the future
0: right now how I mean this definitely sounds interesting how is it playing it though is it is it is it just padding game time or is it really interesting to play this
1: so it's it's interesting because the story is interesting it's very it's actually okay. they they do have some uh, light hearted characters here and there but for the most part the story itself it takes itself very seriously okay. so this isn't Uh, This isn't like, uh, this won't be like a Paper Mario 2 story, right? It's going to be, uh, there's a lot of depth there. There's a lot of intrigue. There is, you know, characters will die and they will die over and over and over again. And sometimes you got to let them die in order for the story to progress, only to then eventually be able to go back in time and actually save them from dying. Oh, wow. There's like weird stuff like that. And being able to just go back in time, forward in time, somewhere in the middle of the timeline, pretty much every single save node in the game. And there's lots of save nodes speckled throughout the world, right? Because they want you to save often. Mm -hmm. At any point, you can go to the save node and go back into this. uh, It's sort of like this hub world called, I think it's called the White Chronicle. I'm not sure if that's what it's called. Might Sound- be called the White Chronicle. Chronicle you
0: can go Time. Sounds right.
1: Yeah, it it's like that time zone in Chrono Trigger. You can go back to this sort of hub, this nebulous universal time doesn't exist hub. And you can then look at the timeline of the of how things play out and be able to go to any other save point in the game at any other at the relative point in time that your character was there at the time that took place for your character <laughs> it, It's a little weird and hard no, to
0: explain, no, but- no 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 it, it definitely it makes sense it makes sense to me yeah. now the the only thing i really was concerned about is like is this do they tie it in well with the story does it all make sense is this just making a you know, a 10-hour game into a 50-hour game just because you got to go back and replay it without really caring about anything. Um, well, there, that, that there is a,
1: if they are padding it, they are padding it with story because there is okay. a lot of story to the game, a lot of dialogue, a lot of uh, events that happen. There's okay. multiple chapters. Uh, so as you progress, you're progressing, and every major uh, set of events that happens is its own chapter, and you're going through chapter after chapter but then <laughs> you can go back in time and save. And now you used to be at chapter five. Now you're back in chapter two again.
0: <laughs> and you, yeah. <laughs> now, how much does it utilize? And there there is a reason why I'm asking this. How much does it utilize the second screen? Does it use utilize it a lot? The, uh, the, yes. the bottom screen, the touch.
1: It's, it's more of a kind of like a, um, I would say like the map in Castlevania DS games.
0: So it's just showing you where, where you are on it's a map? It's supporting information. Alright, the reason why yeah. I ask is I'm, I'm not saying
1: it's a map, it's just supporting information.
0: Could that information be in like a mini-map or a HUD in a top corner or something to that effect?
1: Uh, I don't think there's... Yeah, it absolutely could. I don't think there's anything that's too critical that's on that second screen. It's really just displaying more information Okay. on the second screen. Uh, during combat... That bottom screen shows the sequencing of turns, which okay. you can manipulate, and that is kind of important, but I don't think there's any, like, touch screen stuff that happens on the bottom screen. I, but You're saying this because you, you want this ported.
0: I want this ported. Uh, yeah. This was so late in the 3DS. This was 2018. This was the really... turn switch? Yes. That's yeah. what I mean. So, I mean, this could really easily be ported over to the Switch without, without a problem. Especially if those things on that secondary screen are supplementary, you know, that aren't really necessary. You know, the, the turn order that can be displayed on, on the side or something, uh, which has been done yeah. in other, other games, if you need to manipulate it. It's, it's always changing, in, again, it's other RPGs. There's, um, there's
1: definitely work involved, though. It's not going to be a straightforward port.
0: Sure. It can be done. If, well, and if, here's,
1: here's the other thing. And here's the big kicker. But wait, this was already. (laughs) Yeah. This was all. Radiant Historia was on the 3DS, which is called Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology Edition. Mm -hmm. It's already like a remastering of the same game. So they would have to like remaster it a third time to put it on Switch. Okay.
0: You don't want that.
1: No, no, I'm just, I'm wondering if the developers are, are willing to go through that. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, it, just, it, it was just kind of a, I guess, kind of a miss there, you know? It's just, they, 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 were, they were right there. It's right, well, <laughs> they were right well, there. The,
1: I, what I think happened is, the, the developers know that they made a very unique, like, gem of a game. And, and it definitely yes, is. It so is. so they a have gem something of there. A game. But they made it on the DS at the end of the DS's life. And it didn't do well. And they thought, well, let's blame it on the DS and the time that we released it or whatever. Like the audience already left. They moved on to the 3DS. So let's just make the game, remake the game even better and put it on the 3DS. Because that's where all the fans went to. And then they did that. Way too late. But they released it.
0: But but it, it was too late. It is way too late. They were just, way too they're just they're just behind uh, the eight ball. There, they it's are. just too bad because it sounds like a really, really, really good game and yeah. a game mechanic I haven't seen really anywhere, um, anywhere else. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, Chrono Trigger is probably the thing that that hmm. maybe gets closest, but, but the thing with Chrono Trigger is, yeah, you're bouncing around different timelines, but everything that's happened in those different time frames has already happened. You can't go back in time on the same timeline. Whereas this game, it's one time period, and you can go back in time in the same time period. It is literally back to the future of the game. Mm-hmm. But Fantasy World, and JRPG. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. I, I, I wish they would put it on the Switch. Uh, obviously, it would need some working. And yeah. maybe maybe when the Switch is done and over with, they'll come out with a Switch version. Just That's just their history.
1: It, it is super good. It's, to see this mechanic, I would love to see this mechanic brought to other games. It's just really hard to do because it is so critical to how the story is made, created, and written. It that's needs the to make big, sense. That's the big problem right. with, this, with this type of uh, mechanic. Is how integral it needs to be with the storyline.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It all needs to tie together. All needs to make sense.
1: Yeah, and and that's why this particular game is so special. Because this, what they have pulled off by being able to do this, even though there's like other elements to the game that are like, eh, well, you know, it's like mediocre or 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 like, yeah, this has been done before. Just this mechanic. Just this ability, this, this level of control you have over the storyline, being able to go back and forth in, in time and in alternate time frames, and even more crazy stuff, like going into like different universes um, of of worlds that exist on their own time <laughs> uh, same, same time frame, just like a different universe. Um, uh, so they have like stuff like that going on. Uh, it's just something to be applauded,
0: right. Man, another. I'm actually while well, you're talking, I'm I'm looking at listings for eBay and and GameStop and stuff. I I'm I'm gonna probably get it today. Really? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> do you, Do you still have your 3ds? Oh yeah, I have a few 3ds's. Yeah. I I wish I could. I wish I could stream it too or record it. I I mean there is there is a way, but it just ah uh, doesn't work. I need to get a capture card, it, 3DS and that's kind of expensive
1: yeah last thing you want to do well actually I don't know maybe you might find some one you know something cheap on, on eBay or something like that I could look I'll I'll, I'll also look at that but yeah I, I mean I don't think you should uh, there's always the, the the later the later stuff the laters the laters yeah the laters
0: oh gotcha okay yeah yeah gotcha <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that is another way
0: i gotcha i gotcha i just i i like i like physical hard hard copy. and when i was looking i wasn't just looking at the regular regular listings i was looking at collector's editions and, and yeah. like that's just the way my my brain goes but yeah that is actually going to do it for today's episode i'm so glad that we actually got to do this uh been we've been wanting to do this and we will probably maybe continue doing stuff like this. Uh things other than news because we do things other than news. Um yeah, that's gonna wrap up today's episode for the Switch RPG podcast. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to everyone who sent wait, I gotta I gotta change this. There's no questions. Yeah, there is none. Oh jeez! All right. Remember, you can listen to the show each and every week on your favorite podcasting service, whether it's Anchor, Spotify, Google, the Apples, all those things. were are on there. Um, and finally, head over to SwitchRPG.com for all your RPG needs on the Nintendo Switch. Until next time, we'll see you around. And don't forget, Johnny is the best. We got to remove that, Johnny.
1: Yeah, we keep that in there.
0: No, nope, we got to take that out. <laughs> see you later.